Welcome to The Pathless Path. I'm Paul Millard, and in this podcast, we examine the invisible scripts that run our lives and dare to imagine new stories for work and life. Welcome to The Pathless Path Podcast. My name is Angie Wong. Today, my, today on the show is my co-host, Paul Millard. Here we are. <laughs> okay. By the way, my name is Angie Wong, not Angie Miller. We have this joke. A lot of times we went on family vacation. So we have our baby monitor ready. We have a four and a half month old ready to go. So we may have to cut this short if we get interrupted. Uh, But I'm ready to go. You came up with an agenda for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe talk about what we're planning on doing. Today we're talking about creators as parents or parents as creators. Basically, our reflections on what it is like to be a parent while creating online for the past four months. So for the past four months, we our daughter was born. Uh, we went through two months of basically like a quarantine period for both of us. Well, not really. That we'll talk about later. Then our parents visited from Connecticut and from Taiwan. We hang out with Michelle with tons of our friends. And we went on a family vacation in the Northeast. These sounds like random events, but that will actually be very important when we talk about what it's like to be a parent and the creator later. We're going to talk about what's surprising and unexpected about being a parent and what's surprising and unexpected about our work or creative projects. Then today we are going to do a time bucket exercise, which is if you subscribe to Paul's newsletter, you will know it's from the Die With Zero book where we're going to talk about for the next couple of years, what are the dream to-do lists we have for each time period. Okay, so um, let's recap. What is the most surprising and unexpected thing about being a parent for you? Uh, so, such a big question. So I, I do want to correct the initial intro. We haven't really been like creating and doing the parent i feel like we've been like prioritizing parent that's part of the conversation number one but um uh, i t- i think the most surprising thing is how awesome it is i just get so much day-to-day joy out of one seeing you with michelle and also just being with her uh, i think i had this like it's so hard to anticipate what it's like going to be like um, becoming a parent, everyone says all these things. There's all these societal scripts. Oh, once you do this, you're never going to be able to, you have to figure this out. And it turns out that you basically just can't put words into describing how awesome it feels. And I think I quickly updated my mental model of how it's going to spend my time to basically, I want to prioritize parenting above everything else because it's fun and enjoyable and sort of like push down work, uh, still keep fitness and health up, but de- definitely deprioritize work more than I expected. All right, we'll talk about creative and work more in the second session. And I, I agree with you. I think the most important thing is I was surprised by how our happiness level was so much higher than uh, than we were before pre-Michelle time. And um, I think when I, I, was, I was reading Emily Oster's book on Crib Sheet, which is the book she talks about. She investigated, like, uh, she read through those longitudinal studies and then she found out different aspects about parenting. And then one of them is, uh, uh, one of them says, in, uh, on average, the 
the quality of marriage or like the satisfaction of satis can't really pronounce satisfaction. this satisfaction satisfaction degree of marriage dramatically drop after your kids are born because you barely have time to talk about like we barely have time for each other anymore all your focus is on kids but for me that's absolutely the opposite if my happiness level like the most and the happiest day i had pre-michel is a 10 then now it's a hundred like i'm not even joking you know, like, I think, especially when I was in nomad, um, like, nomad, nomadic life is, is sort of like, yay, I'm in heaven, I'm creating, like, life is awesome, but there is a certain type of, like, aimless. That, that like, that um, void feeling. Yeah. Like, I will be on the beach, and then on a, on a Sunday afternoon, I'm, like, in this heaven-like beach, sitting in a coffee shop, eating gourmet, gourmet food and drinking coffee and writing but i just feel like there is something lacking that i don't know what it is but now on a sunday morning we did literally nothing but just pick michelle up from the best in it and then put her on our lap and play with us and see her lap that is like the, the happiest thing i've ever experienced in my life like the, the level of joy is like something just overflowing out of your body and like attacking your head like you're so happy you're so happy you're so happy this kind of feeling yeah i think well i think this was the disconnect between us on that path you always felt like you didn't have what i had which was i had sort of fallen into work i loved doing um and you it, it was easy for me to write about like the traps people get into on a creative path because i saw you struggling with not finding your thing um, so thank you for the inspiration for the for, for writing. But yeah, I think also I knew you loved kids and it's been just so cool to watch you um, with the kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, before before this, I also feel happy creating, but the happiness level is just incomparable. <laughs> and on the, on the flip side... Is it a meaning thing? Do you feel like there's like your days have more substance? Um, it's like, you know, there's a void and, but you don't know how to fill it and you don't know what is, what is the shape of the void. And after Michelle come, I was like, oh, okay, that actually, that is actually for Michelle to fill. Sorry, Michelle, I'm putting a lot of responsibility on you now. Don't disappoint your Asian tiger mom. Just kidding. Yeah. I think, well, that's, that's amazing. Cause like my big question last year was how do I help Angie thrive? In the U.S., and it turns out we just had to have a baby. That's crazy. I think like before this, I'm not sure if we were sharing in our previous episode, but I feel so ashamed of admitting that I want to be a mom. Like in this era where people say like, you should be killing in, and you should be killing in a career field, and then um, don't let your mom identity encompass everything, everything about you. But I was like, so I will, I, I like intentionally toned down my desire, or like trying to persuade myself that I. I want to be a mom, but not that much. Like trying to fit into the U.S. kind mm -hmm. of? But fortunately, I have a lot of cool creator friends in Austin who also did not avoid talking about how much they want to be a mom yeah. at the same time. And that that's such a huge encouragement. Um, the, so this is actually relevant to the other thing that is in my reflection. So I'm going to go first. The other thing that I'm surprised is... um. The suffering about being a parent is not a suffering. What does this mean? So before, before this, when we were 
nomadic in Mexico in 2020, I started to have like this really compelling desire of wanting to have a kid. But whenever I hop on my motorcycle and I want to go somewhere, I always thought to myself, do I really want to give up this freedom of just doing whatever I want any time of the day? Is it really worth it? And every time I was in a social situation or like in a coffee shop or restaurant and seeing how the mom or dad is like struggling, trying to comfort their kids, I would say, nah, I, I don't think I want to suffer through that now. Or like in a very hot day when you're walking on the street, you're already sweating all the time. This is one of my concerns when I was in Austin. I was like, I'm sweating all the time without a kid. Like how, how can I suffer through those like even more sweaty than when I have to wear a kid on my body? Well, it is too hot in Austin for <laughs> kids right now. But postman, so recently there's one occasion where I was literally pull, pushing a stroller with on on a super hot morning and I was sweating all over and I am still so happy. And I see people driving by looking at me pushing Michelle. I was like, maybe they think I'm very pathetic because that's what I thought like other parents were before Michelle. And then, and then I realized one thing that everything you experience about being a parent is a totally different metric as compared to not being a parent. It's like, it's like, being a career, being in the traditional career field and ex-digital nomad, how, like, how, like, how, why, why are you so brave to like go out of the traditional path? Don't you afraid that you're not going to be able to like get a raise anymore after you come yeah. back? As a digital nomad, like, what what is the passion? Well, I need yeah, one hundred and ninety pages to explain that. Yeah, like, it's <laughs> like, oh yeah, okay, that's a joke. It's like. That is not a valid question it's because you to. don't want to, you are not, you're no longer valued by the metric of the previous world you're in. And being a parent, it's like that. Yeah, people say that all the time. Don't you worry about money? And it's like, yes, and all these other amazing things. By the way, am I rambling? No. Okay, keep going. Um, people are here for you. Uh, people watching, leave a comment in the comments below and <laughs> tell us where I'm more Angie. It's basically all the feedback I get from listeners. When's your next episode with Angie? But yeah, I, I relate to that. I mean, when I'm crying, when she's crying, crying with me, I think it taxes my nervous system a little less. Um, it's still like pleasurable in a way that's hard to explain. <clears throat> hard to explain. Okay, that that is maybe less for you. That's no, but like when you're holding her, is like kind of upset. It's still like time well spent. Uh -huh. I don't feel like I wasted that time or like it's not time I want to skip. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a highly sensitive person, I like, I like to label myself as that. As a highly sensitive person, sometimes the crying is a little bit hard to handle. But I do agree, like, um, those mundane tasks, washing kids' clothes or preparing a bottle, is so enjoyable. I was just like looking at the tiny socks, the tiny onesies that I was put it in, in the laundry, in a, in a drying machine that feels so happy and that feels so bled. Oh my God, I can't believe one day I will be able to wash in baby clothes. I'm so lucky to have you. And like when Michelle is crying, sometimes I was just like, you can keep crying, but mommy gonna dance with you, blah, 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 blah. Just doing all sorts of silly, silly things with her. And that is, that is the best, seriously. What's, in, what's next on the agenda? Okay, you're done with this. Okay. I am surprised by how fast they grow. What about you? I mean, 
not that surprised. I mean, it's, I think it's more like how fast they change. Um, just looking back at the pictures of four months ago, it's like, oh my gosh, like this big. Now all of a sudden she's like four times the size and so heavy. Um, I think it's just like the day to day. Yeah. Every day is different. You're just sort of like powering through. Um, and it's hard to notice the changes in the day to day, but like week to week and month to month is pretty wild. I actually know there's a difference every day. In the, in the uh, every day when I approached her best, and I was like, "Wow, you look different again." But I felt, I felt what her I, face changed a lot in the first few minutes. Um, I, I thought I would only have the reflection of, "Oh my god, I can't believe how much they changed." Maybe when she was one or two years old. And, but now, just like I remember the day when maybe within two weeks she was born, I was I was watching Netflix. Sorry, I was watching Netflix. And all of a sudden, I I look at her and like her head is just like on my palm, it and she is just literally only on in my for on my forearm, and it was so tiny. But now like I keep every day I'm saying I can't believe she grows so fast, and I think there is this amazement, this surprise sentiment involved, and there is also a little bit of scarcity involved. Like how much time do I have with her and I think at the beginning I cry when I think about one day she will go to college, <laughs> she will marry someone else. <laughs> Those Instagram reels are real. So David White quote, "Everything worth doing will break your heart," or something like that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about our creative project and our work aspect of this parenthood. What is surprising and unexpected for you? I think. I think the thing I didn't anticipate was the context switching. So going from like holding Michelle for two hours and trying to get her to calm down and feeding her. And then I just can't go type a deep, thoughtful essay after that. I basically have just like radically ramped up my my, uh, Netflix consumption of like random silly TV shows. Um, and yeah, we're we're basically trying to do this on our own. We're not doing like the daycare thing. I think that's intentional. I didn't like for me that's designing life around work. Like I respect everyone's choices, but I wanted to we basically wanted to test like can we do this on our own? And um yeah, I think it's it's sort of worked. I think the way we operate is like very day to day and um we sort of just adjust what we're doing. We prioritize like the different things we're doing, look at each other's schedule and try to fill in the gaps. I, I think it's like more or less work. Um, but yeah, I have not been able to do that much work, which has been fine. Um, I've sort of been blessed with uh, book sales from heaven. Uh, shout out Ali Abdal, uh, if you watch this. But yeah, and just other things happening. I had a bunch of strategy workshops at the beginning of the year that worked out, and I surpassed like our thriving life income in the first, like before we had the baby, which was a crazy experience for me. Um, I think our thriving life income last year, when we calculated, was like seventy or eighty grand. Um, so yeah, we we hit that pretty early and. To me, that's permission to lean into being more present with being a parent. Mm-hmm. 
In Chinese, we have a saying called "小孩子带两条" means don't worry about where would money come from if you have if you want to have a kid because the kid will bring the money they need into this world. Mm-hmm. I like that. What's it translate to in English? Kids will bring their own food. Oh, nice. <laughs> she didn't bring her own. It's much more liter- It's much more poetic I in th- Chinese. I think it makes sense. Like. In the U.S., everyone's so obsessed with like, oh, it's too expensive to have kids. But it's, I mean, if you have kids, people are going to help you more. Um, like, are all our parents like they're more invested in the grandchildren than they are us, which is how it should be. But like, they're not going to let her starve. They're not going to let her suffer. We're lucky to live in a world with more resources than fifty and hundred years ago. Um, yeah, I. I don't really worry about that stuff. I sort of think it will take care of itself. And it's so obvious to me that I'm going to work hard for her, like to meet her needs. I'll go without clothes. Like I have this great new shirt now. I'm just going to let probably wear this for the next 10 years. I can't go without clothes. Unfortunately, you don't even buy that many clothes though. I also like one thing about her ending is, okay, before, like, I feel like, oh, when I was very young, like 20 something, I look at moms or like my mom who doesn't, who just like wear like super ugly clothes. I said, oh God, I never want to be a mom. And now like I'm wearing this clothes for literally like maybe seven days and I haven't changed and I haven't showered for like, okay, that's um, beyond what we we're going to talk <laughs> about today. But I sort of agree and disagree what you said about creative project and work. I think for me, I what I realize is, and I also know that a lot of moms agree about this, well, agree on this, which is we our um, my my quality my relationship the quality of my relationship with Michelle will actually be higher if I can be having my own space. And so I I surprisingly found out maybe one or two months in, even though I am still tired from all the like lack of sleep at night, I am craving for something to do. Doesn't matter if it's work or creative project. And I agree on the writing stuff. It's really hard to do context switching for writing because you have like, you need to gather thoughts and then you need to think of it made sense for the previous paragraph and where are you going next? And it's just, it's just hard to do writing. It's also hard to do something that needs a stretches, a continual stretch of a few weeks, like a core based course. I signed up for write out passage for the, maybe the first or second month um, after Michelle's delivery day and I completely dropped the ball. Um, but one thing that surprised me is how I quickly pick up our project that I haven't done for for like maybe two years. I was doing Mandela, dot Mandela when I was in Mexico. At that time, I had a script that... On stones. Yeah, on stones. Basically, you pick anything that has an end, like a pen or like cotton swab or a professional dotting pencil. And you just, you just put it on acrylic paint and then put it on something else like a notebook or stone. For me, when I was in Mexico, that, that was how I started my art journey. But I abandoned it and I started learning watercolor because I thought the reason why I love mandala is because it's so easy. You don't need to learn how to match, how to mix paint. And it's like, it's like a no-brainer to, to as an art beginner. And so I abandoned it. But now it becomes something that is so easy to do as a parent because the because the quality of the paint, they need um, the it dry very fast and you can just do part of a project when you are on the, like a like a break in between Michelle waking up and you can do another part of the project on a break when Paul is taking when Paul is taking care of Michelle 
So I started to do that again, and I found out it put me into flow than anything else. And it, after I did the project, I also feel like I can have more, like have a better quality spending time with Michelle too. And so I think that's what's surprising for me. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've I've actually been a little more creative too. Like I started a file for my second book. I'm like dumping thoughts. Like I think I've had a lot more time to think. Um, I was doing a lot in the year before Michelle was born. Um, so yeah, doing that, the podcast has still been rewarding. And then I think I've been prioritizing like in-person socializing and fitness, which has been just really important for me over the last six months. Yeah, there. I felt when before before our delivery day, I imagined the first month of of taking care of baby is like literally like living in a cave. Both of us just lack up. Was for you? Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah, so it's like, but I was imagining both of us living, oh. both of us not hang out with anyone, lock our door, and just do everything, lack up sleep, and barely handling ourselves. But we actually handling ourselves pretty good. We also have a very we also have a baby that sleep very well, so we're blessed by that but then i also realized like paul doesn't have to be home every time like whenever i can take care of michelle he, he should go out he should go get some sun he should go he should go to the gym and hang out with people because like one of us has to be thriving so that person can come back and provide more energy for the relationship for the other person to keep going and for me i think i talk about it in my podcast which i'm still editing but i think postpartum it's the hardest and it's something that we never just imagine will be occupying such an important role and because people talk about babies and like how they need to sleep eat all the time but no one talks about moms and when we when we did our previous episode we also really touched on that because it's literally unknown unknown for us and man those eight weeks postpartum it's so hard for me i i think i really have a dip in my mental health just not being able to move my body and even though like, I was like, Paul, you should go to the gym. And then the, and every time he went and then he come back, I'll be like pissed and not wanting to talk to him because um, my body just not recovered to the extent that I can go to the gym yet. But he's been super supportive. So after the eight weeks of dip passed and then I, my body is recovering better, I started to move a lot and I moved like I did way more than I am. I was doing do, bef- than compared to my pregnancy too. I... It was I didn't I was not comfortable going to the gym in those first two months, but I was just obeying your your orders. The I just um I would get so nervous leaving you home, like you're in such a fragile state, uh, just physically and psychologically. It's a lot. It was it was actually like the easiest time with Michelle, I think, because they sleep so much in the first month. Everyone acts like you need help like the first week. It's actually like you need more help the longer you're going and it depends on the baby. But yeah, I remember being at the gym and like I used to do like two or three rounds of like sauna and ice bath, take my time, which was a great thing I did before the birth. Like I think we both just like really took a leisurely approach to life. Um, But I would like go and I'd do like all right, 10 minutes sauna, two minutes ice bath, work out for 20 minutes and like rush home. Oh, Um, I didn't know that. Well, I just like didn't want to leave you for too, too long. Yeah, if you told me, I would probably be like, you don't have to do it. Just stay as long as you want. And you come back like, why you stay for so long? 
No, I think, I mean, you've been 100% supportive of uh, me. And I think we both just tried to make sure we're still our own people. Um, like you're doing capoeira, you're doing yoga, breath work, different fitness stuff. I'm still doing stuff. And like, I think that's been the key to um, staying mentally strong as parents. Uh, in terms of uh, having help, though, I do think it's a comparable, com- comparatively thing comparative thing before my parents and your parents came to help around two month mark i literally don't think being a parent is that hard yes there are moments where i i just feel so tired and i want to sleep but paul wasn't available but it's i mean it's fine like michelle sleep a lot and like we are very happy most of the time until our parents came and take take care of them and we just nap whenever we want i was like Oh my God, I did not realize how tired I was before this. And so I actually, I, I usually don't show my weakness to my mom. I just want to, I just want to be like a very tough daughter. Like I don't need her help. But when my mom was here, I actually told her, you know what? It's so nice to have you guys here. Nice. Well, I think it's just so hard um, on you. I mean, you're doing the feedings at night um, and I was getting up early in the morning and I was trying to do a lot. Um, I mean, breaking up your sleep at night is just going to wear you down so much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like we did not expect how much the kid needs the mother. They literally, literally want to smell us. Especially in the first two months. Like, I was useless in some moments. Um, yeah, it was very clear, like, she needed you. Do you want to talk about the time where we, where she didn't eat for two days and then what happened? When she didn't eat. What do you mean? Hey there, it's Paul. I just wanted to take a second and thank you for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to support more, I'd love if you'd share this podcast episode or the podcast as a whole with one other friend. Sharing it like that is the easiest way you can help me grow the podcast, get better guests, and help me continue on this long game. Next, if you're enjoying this conversation, you'd probably enjoy my book. You can check out my book, The Pathless Path, which has now sold over 40,000 copies. You can check that out on pathlesspath.com. And finally, if you're looking to find the others on unconventional paths, I've started a community, The Pathless Path Community, where you can find others on unconventional paths. You can check that out on pathlesspath.com membership. All those links you can find below and back to the episode. Tight. All right, so there's one t- there's two there's this two day stretch where she just wouldn't eat. She'll be so hungry and crying and whatever we we try to feed her the formula, she just wouldn't eat and she will only want to come to come me for nursing, come to me for nursing, but I just don't have a, I have a very low milk supply, which is a struggle at the beginning and it's like really hard on Paul and I remember I did this thorough research on internet articles on how to build relationship for your kid and the father so they have a stronger bond they don't want to just like rely on mom and after two days we found out actually it's the, the nipple of our bottle is clogged so whenever we try to fit Michelle there's no milk coming out and then we literally stop her for two days I don't think it was two days <laughs> it was like one and a half days and so I was like sorry Michelle we fucked up we're new parents just forgive yeah. us you're gonna make some mistakes but you're gonna learn alright should we move on to the next topic we still talking about parenting people love this stuff where are you deciding what people want to hear I don't know what people want comment on the comment, comment on the video below what do you like to hear 
Um, so now that we have our kiddo and we have started to have different imagination about our future, let's just talk about time bucket exercise. Yeah. So quick recap. I read this book, uh, Die With Zero, and we've done a lot of reflection exercises. We did the life book exercise uh, six months after we met where we went through 12 categories of our life and talked about it for like six hours. Almost broke Angie with my need to talk about these things. We've also done designing your life, life plans. And our our goal always is like, how do we imagine different possibilities for our life? Um, which I think is so important because we're from different countries, we're from different cultures, and we sort of have to create our own culture because we don't have a default. Um, and yeah, this book, Die With Zero, basically makes a very persuasive argument that far too many are saving too much for too late in their lives. And he has a sense in there. It's like, do you really want to be a walk walking the roman steps in uh or i forget yeah the roman steps in your 90s it's like oh probably not like why am i saving why are people saving so much money how can we gift money to our kids earlier such that they can thrive and unlock possibilities and memories and experiences and it like i I love it it's like such a good uh companion with my book i think um and there's this exercise it's like time buckets group your time into different buckets and then imagine different activities you want to do. And I thought there are two cool uses of this. One's just imagine more possibilities and then also like push things off into the future. I think Bill Perkins, the author was saying he had his Alaska cruise in his seventies. I was like, yeah, it's like about right. I don't really want to do an Alaskan cruise while I can still like walk and explore and bike around cities and stuff. Um, so we haven't talked about our... Um, yeah, we are going to talk about our different time buckets. But before this, since it's very similar to other life design exercise, I think it's good to give our listener a context of how our life design changes over time before this. So we both, as you said, we both did our... We both did one before we met. I just pulled up my 2018 one before I moved to Taiwan. Nice, creepy. Literally I mean, five years ago. <laughs> I think I also did one. So that's from Designing Your Designing Your Life, the Odyssey Planning, five-year Odyssey Planning. You're, you will have three choices, which is the first one is what is the next five years look like if you just continue to live your life right now? And I think the second one is what is your dream? Yeah, it's like what if, yeah, what if your alternative laugh, life, and then what if no one would laugh? I only have one of mine, though. Yeah, the third one is, oh yeah, yeah, no, the second one is if no one would laugh and you can live your dream life, what, is it, what would it be like? And the third one is if money and, and fame is not a concern, what would you do? So I want to talk about my first. I yeah. think I also did it in 2018. Yeah. I, ha- I had another one where I imagined I would meet somebody, but I do not have a picture of that. I also do not have. This is my work one where I don't have to work for corporate salaries by year four, which I did accomplish. Well, kind of in my terms, yeah. Can I, can I go? Go. So the first one, I was working at, in a AI think tank at a time as like a product researcher. And I, I list out for the next five years, I will professionally, I will become a PM and then become a manager and become somewhere like, and I feel so doomed <laughs> right. writing those. But they, they are also the most real answers though. And also maybe during my third or fourth year, I will meet a guy where I can 
form a family and then eventually have a kid. And I feel so sad writing those down because as I was talking with my other with my girlfriends the other day, like I think men don't understand how hard it is for us to find someone that we truly love and want to get married. I, but I guess it's probably that's okay. I'm being very hard for me too. <laughs> yeah, in general, it's just so hard, and we feel so vulnerable writing an answer like problem. that. Okay, it's a human problem. I think well, we both gave up on finding someone before, like right when we were doing those life plans. Yeah, I feel so vulnerable writing I those down, I even though even, a... even though those are my true desires. And my second one is what I really wanted to do at the time, which is quit my job and become a personal trainer. And then maybe has my have my own business and then running a gym and then maybe run a, like a global gym or something. The third one is become a surfer in Hawaii. Um, the second one, as we know, both later become true. I didn't own a gym, but I become a personal trainer and have my own online fitness business. Not a real business, I created a course to have any more income. But the third one, the third one, the most interesting one. What if, what if money and fame is not a concern, and people's thoughts about you is not a concern? I did went to Hawaii, and I found out I did not want to live in Hawaii, and I did not want to become a surfer, so I crossed it out. And over the next few years, I have different versions coming up. But after I met Paul, those versions are all super similar. I feel like every day I'm already living my dream life. I don't know, maybe I'm just like changing a little bit of the projects I'm doing or in the places I live, but I'm basically living my dream life. Just that at that time, I didn't know how good they would be with Michelle yet. Yeah, so, so mine, um, I wrote self-publish a book in year two, which was two years earlier than I started it. Um, build or buy a tiny house. Did not do that, but maybe in the future. And then year five was teaching and mentoring role at university. Um, I don't think I'm tied to that. That I actually put in like my late 50s, 60s. But you are mentoring university students though. I think those are the same thing. Yeah, I have. Um, I think I was picturing like some sort of formal employment. I think just more bullish on the internet now. Um, But yeah, and we've done this before. Um, So yeah, should we dive into our buckets? Okay, so instead of um buckets with the same amount of years inside i did a bucket of bucket one two years next two years next two years bucket two the two years afterward bucket three five years and bucket four ten years bucket five ten years and the reason what i did is i actually categorized the bucket um based on how old michelle would be and i think that makes much much more sense for us now so what is in your bucket number one do you want me to just uh, read Wait, that? by the way, I think age is really important to help us imagine. So, I'm going to be 37. I'm 38. Oh, yeah, 38. Sorry, math. My math. I'm 34. So, at that time, Paul will be 40. I'll be 36. Michelle will be two years old. So, these are in the next two years. And yeah, I just did this quick before we did it. I put travel to Taiwan, which we're doing, um, deep writing, continue that. Possibly, I did start a second book. Um, hopefully, get close to the finish line on that. Support Angie with art. Live in another country for three months. Host a writing retreat somewhere in the world. 40th birthday party. I think I struggled with celebrating myself, so I'd love to do something big and maybe spend an amount of money that would make me uncomfortable. Uh, I also put sell strategy you. Um I'm realizing I did not make these very Michelle-centric. 
So I like for me, that's the easy part. Of course, I'm going to prioritize her and do a lot of stuff with her. So it's hard to imagine that. Also, she can't walk for another. Right. So that's actually the reason why I put bucket number one in two years because Michelle will be a toddler at that time. And that's probably before we have a second kid or before our second kid will be born. And people keep telling us that before kids can like, express their own preferences running around, that's the best time to travel. And I want to have like an overall view and then I have a question for you. So like, yeah. what are your two? Or you have a you have a vision? No, no, not not the vision. Like, I, is this when I was listening out? So the way you do this exercise is you list out everything you want to do, and then you put them into different buckets. And oh, I, I found didn't out do there, it that way. I found out there are so many extra, so many activities there. Are, they are like they can be fit into any buckets because I want them. Like, I I want to do them now, but I also want to do them with my future other kids. So that's one thing interesting. And the question for you is: You never told me you're going to sell strategy. You. I mean, it's always been a, a thought. Like, I think my passion just isn't there. It, it's some sort of strategic agree- arrangement or finding a CEO to hire. I need to find somebody that is interested in the topic, which is a very niche thing. Um, but yeah, TBD. It's good to have podcasts once in a while to figure out what the other person is thinking in their head, huh? Yeah, I could do this for eight hours. <laughs> but you get tired of my thinking and plotting. Okay, not going to comment on that. For my first two years, my plan is to have a second kid. Um, I want to learn cranial sacral therapy. One, one thing that I, I found out throughout this is like I keep wanting to go back to movement. And I think cranial psychotherapy is something that really I, I personally benefit a lot for the past years. And I know it will be very beneficial for me to learn and help my kids too. So cranial psychotherapy is a way, like if you go to, it's like a massage, but not really. It's like, as as it's called therapy. What it, what I do is the therapist literally just put their finger lightly, touch the back of your skull and to improve the spinal fluid going. And just by doing that and maybe lightly touch your other part of the body, a lot of past memories will start surfacing. So it's very famous for like treating trauma and TMJ pain, which is like also highly correlated with trauma. And I think that will be such a cool thing to do for me to learn cranial psychotherapy. I want to live in Las Palmas and a major city in Spain. Las Palmas is... In the next two years? Yeah. So we gotta it's, do this in twenty two. Is our first that defin- that destination when we went nomadic, and I really, I think it's an environment that is good for kids before they get a full vaccine. I want to have vacation with extended family that appear in every bucket, and this this one I want to stay in own water. Oh, again nice. with only. I don't know if that even own water is like this, this uh, floating house and. Isolated lake in Thailand. Okay, that's Paul's definition of on water. My definition of on water is where I decided I'm gonna marry Paul. <laughs> <laughs> that's a let me rephrase what it is. It's this magical floating cabin on the on the lake where you have to take 20 minutes of water taxi to, and you see literally nothing but the lake. You can't see anything else. I'll overlay some images. And at at nighttime, cute beautiful music and images. Da, da, da. Yeah, keep. <laughs> at nighttime, there are lizards running around, and there is no hot water. There's no Wi-Fi. It's just literally you and the other person, and that's the most magical and spiritual place I 
been to. And is that is in those three days that we spent our time in on water, actually the third month we were dating, that we did nothing. We had nothing but each other. And this is the time I was at very confirmed, very, very sure that I want to be with Paul for a long, long time. So I want to bring my our daughter back. Let's do it. In the next two years? In the next two years. In Spain and be in the U.S. for citizenship? Well, we'll have to work on I think two to three years. Hey, dream big. <laughs> dream big. All right. Next two years? Yeah, you will be 42. I'll be 38 and Michelle will be 40. That's before Michelle. I'll be 42, 42. So that's before Michelle is going to a formal school if she's going to a formal school. Yeah, so I have published another book publish book with Angie or maybe start one. Um, interview Tim Ferriss. I put something just scary for me to write down and put in public there. Um, I put another bold goal. I've been trying to like just be bolder with my goals because it's scary for me to like dream big and picture myself as successful. Uh, become Korean Taiwanese known author. So working on working on some foreign rights deals now. Like, I just feel like we need to wake up those work cultures. Um, live in Bali and go to the green school with Michelle. Oh, my God. I was thinking about that, too, but it's not in my bucket. Um, and then rent, like, a house in Italy and pay people to come or pay for, like, the villa or and chef or cooking classes or something. Um, and this is quick. Like, I should probably do a little deeper. It's funny when you say when you say about the the famous author thing. You said I want to become Korean. I was like, why do you want to become Korean? You should become Taiwanese first. Why Korean? Okay, that's just getting impulse. Um, so for me, it's have a a third kid if we want a third kid, and then live in Costa Rica and Puerto Escondido, and live in Taiwan, especially Taichung, Dulan, where we both very like. Nice. Yeah, I think, I mean, one thing would be to, like, convince some relative to, like, spend some time in Taiwan with us. Um, I don't know if anyone will do that. If anyone's watching this who is related to me, um, come to Taiwan with your kids and we'll all learn Chinese and eat great food for a year. Get out to learn Chinese, but we'll show you guys great food. The kids could learn Chinese. So Mm -hmm. easy for kids. Bucket number three, five years. You will be 47. I'll be 43. Literally, when 42 I write down... 42 to 47. Yeah, you will. Yeah. Okay. 42 to 47, and you'll be... 38 to 43. All right. Michelle will be nine years old. Wow. Four to nine. This is really scary. Just like me listening to 43, I just cannot fathom the fact that I will one day turn 40. So this is this is pretty scary for me. Are you going to celebrate it with the party? All right. All right, you go first. So, yeah, I, I had a hard time imagining the kids stuff. I think my general thinking with kids is like it will figure its way out. And also we're going to get to know more of her personality and adjust needs. Um, I think find international school to enroll or place we want to be or like a place in the U.S. that's inspiring to us. I don't know where it is. Um, probably very community centric that um, is not tied into like a sort of traditional metrics chasing world, maybe more connected to land, good food. Um, I put cooking course. I'd love to continue to take cooking 
is something I go deeper on in my life. 10-year wedding celebration, um, get involved in international schools, maybe teach, live in Europe, live abroad with willing cousins. I said that already. Um, maybe start thinking about a home base. Maybe that tiny house comes to fruition um, as like a place to host retreats and stuff, write, things like that. But yeah. Yeah, the further in the future, the more I struggle. <laughs> it's uh, I think it's interesting because we talk about bucket after bucket. This doesn't feel like that far away from now, but it's actually nine years away from now. Yeah, we Just got married four how, years ago. How much we've accomplished over the past nine years? What were you doing nine years before this? Nine years. Um, how old were you? I was thirty-one. I just moved to New York, and I you're was not thirty-one. You're you're thirty-eight now. Oh yeah, nine years. Twenty-nine. I was in Boston. Um, I was like, I had this deep pull to like do something with my life. My fault step was to go to New York. Really, I wanted to like start another life, but. Yeah, it's another lifetime. I was still recovering from health issues and really trying to come out of that shell. So nine years ago, I was it was twenty fifteen. I was maybe twenty six. I I was also well, I just came back from New York City, where I tried to find job for a whole year. Couldn't really find something that is fulfilling. I came back to Taiwan, feel like a failure. And I remember one day I was biking from from my like very small tiny room to the gym, and I was l- listening to James Brown's, and I think it's called Annie that song, and it sings that Annie, you're a star, you just don't know, you just don't know who you are, and I was just like bawling, I was just like, ah, I'm a loser, I didn't achieve anything in my life. Like now that I now I still don't. Did achieve like super big thing in life in on a default path, but I'm very happy with where I am. All right, five that in that bucket for me, the first thing you're not gonna believe this. I want to compete in a bodybuilding competition. That's believable. Re- really? Yeah, you were always interested in it. No, but for I think okay, so I'm completing writing a writing on this, and the reason why I wrote about this one in this bucket is because I know a lot of moms. The first thing they do after giving birth to all their kids is to join the competition to prove that they still own their body. They can still look the way they want to look. And I know bodybuilding competition is not the healthiest in terms of like the way you regulate your food or your your mental health. But that's something that I've already always been thinking. Um, I want to live in Ubud, and the reason why Southeast Asia, like finally. Like long term, is also we Southeast Asia finally appear in this bucket. Is, I think at this time, our kid all had their, might all have their full vaccine, and I feel comfortable bringing them to countries that have more like dengue fever. I mean, a example. vaccine will never st- stop dengue fever. Oh uh, yeah, maybe you're right, but I mean, you know, you don't want to miss. I want to live in Gubu. I want to visit India, Nepal, and Tibet. So I, I'm so drawn to Tibet, man. I'm so drawn to Tibet. A lot of people are. Mm-hmm. So this one interesting too. I want to take, I want to be certified in neurokinetic therapy and PDTR. I think it's proprioceptor deep tendon reflect, reflexor, something like that. It's it's something that is just like blow my mind 
a new way of understanding the human body. And I want to become a movement specialist. Nice. I want to have a profitable art, profitable art business selling my art. And I want to have vacation with my extended family, our extended family. And I think the reason why this movement thing really come back like in such a full-blown way is I feel like movement is always something I wanted to do, but now I would rather step, spend time on art because I feel like learning about movement style, you need such extensive time to learn and put into practice. You probably need to be physically based in a place so you can have clients' cases to practice. And I feel like at that, that time, bucket is perfect for me re-entering movement especially and and also at that time i believe i will already be very successful in earning money and whatever that means that means that maybe i'm finally steadily earning Don't money laugh. why are you laughing be serious about yourself angie so i think i think at that time i will be able to approach being a movement specialist but not attached to how much money i make from that and then i will be able to approach the fittest profession and in the in the from abundance yeah why is money such an important thing there what do you mean it's just like i mean you could have just said the movement thing but it seems attached to money for you this is a coaching session <laughs> well i think because last time i leave i leave the fitness spaces because i just hate how how much I feel the scarcity of money, money while exploring my love for fitness and how people compete the business opportunity while trying to work with each other. And I want to do, I really love women. I really wanted to learn about it from a bonus mindset. Nice. And so something I realized these days, I always feel so shameful that I, when, whenever I share my art and knowing that I have a lot of professional artist friends, I just feel like whatever I do, I will not be able to catch up with them. Not in the next one year, not in the next three years. So I wanted to give up all the time. I just feel like I'm so laughable when I share my reels and stuff. But one day I woke up, I think I was just watching a, the reel one of my artist friends make and I was like, okay, my, do you think you won't be able to make this artwork in 10 years? Are you kidding me? I will definitely be able to make this in 10 years. It's not next one year or next three years, but definitely in the next 10 years. I just need to keep going. And so I feel like nine years yeah, is the time I can confidently say that I am selling my art and running a profitable art business. Nice. Well, that's such an important thing. Like if you're comparing yourself to other people, you always lose. Because you always find things they're good at, right? Um, yeah, it's cool you're finding a better relationship to art. I think so, it's incredible. One thing that is interesting about this exercise is um, in my newsletter I share about in my NLP training, we did a like designing a powerful life um, course. And for that course, we actually start from 20 years. And then we did a meditation to put us in abundance a sensation of abundance and then we start from that 20 years so we won't start from the limitation of where we are now because 20 years is such a long span of time that anything could happen so from that 20 years you draw a picture you listen very detailedly in that that date that 
point of time, what were you doing? Who are you with? What life, what, what, com what does your life compose? And then you go back to the previous 10 years and then the previous five years and previous three years and then next month, next day, today, what are you going to do? So it's a little bit different from we doing this bucket exercise, which brings us to the, oh my God, we still have two buckets. 47 to 57 for me. This will be 7, 9. Michelle will be 10. You'll be... No, Michelle will be 19. No, at the end of it, yeah. We're, it's, it's a whole, it's the 10 years, okay. 9 to 19. And I will be 43 to 53. Man. This is like the, when they look at the happiness studies, this is when like people fall apart. So we got to get our shit together. Why do people fall apart? And just time? like peak kids, peak career, peak stress. But um, we are aware of that so we can try to avoid Why that. Why are they at their peak and then still fall apart? Uh, I think people age too. And if they're not peak healthy, you're going to feel start feeling worse. Your body breaks down. You're maybe not eating as healthy. And yeah, I mean, this is why like health is so important to me now. It is. But we'll check back in in nine years. What's your... It's, so it's funny for me when I look at... I run out of stuff when I get to this. Oh, really? That's a good thing, actually. Well, I just that have a hard you're time not imagining. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's also because you are living such a traditional... I mean, I mean, I mean, for some people, maybe their dream life is like, for this country, become a digital nomad or like live abroad. It but seems for us, so we're already doing it. I mean, we're already doing it. Yeah. So we just come up with different versions of it. But I think... So I, I want to share this. For me, for the previous bucket, I look at my age, 43, I still feel like, I I think I can imagine what I look like. Probably pretty much the same like now, which I also look like this when I was 23. Um, I can see a trace, like traces of still uncertainty and incompetence in me. But when I look at the word 53, I see this long hair, women who has wrinkles on her face and so confidence and radiance with joy and peace. What do you think that person would say to you now? You're fine, girl. You're great. Whatever you do, like, I... I bet I'll still be pretty happy. You probably will be. I only have three things okay, in this yeah, bucket. Go. The first one is live in Ubud, but with Again. parents. With our parents? I know it's very close to Taiwan, so my parents will probably come. I don't know if your parents are willing to take a long flight. Yeah, like everyone's going to... Yours will be in their 60s still. Mine will be in their 70s. No, they will be their 70s. Yeah. And I think they will still love to travel abroad. And I have this... Yeah, I just feel like I wanted to be living in the Vida with them. Because when we were kids, we do this family travel, and I... I remember this th this image of me sitting in the courtyard with my family in one of the villa, and then they they have staff cooking bacon for us, and the staff is so bad at cooking bacon that the bacon got so burned like a cookie, and then so when when they serve the cookie to us, we're the cookie serve the bacon to us, we're all so shocked, and then my mom and my auntie are just like throwing the bacons in each other place as they. See, it even cleans like a cookies. Ha ha ha. And like, I just remember that time. Like, we're all so happy together as an extended family. And I want to experience that. 
in Ubud with my parents, with our parents. And I will have an art exhibition. Can be big, big, can be small, maybe just some pictures hanging in a small coffee shop. I I will be very happy. So you didn't do the last one? I did, yeah. Oh, you did? So, I mean, you didn't ask me my 47 to 57 bucket yet. But wait, you you said you didn't write anything in these two buckets. I did. I didn't write that much. Learn cooking in two to three countries. Orient life around kids. They're probably gonna maybe they're gonna be Michelle probably sick of us. But <laughs> um, mentoring young people, I feel like that theme keeps coming back. I always mm, want to be yeah, mentoring you young me people and in those environments. Um, wind down intense work. Start like hitting the downslope. Find sort of like a retirement semi-home. Maybe that's when I'd be interested in purchasing a home or something. Um, Or just like inheriting homes. Um, And yeah, that's... uh, It's very vague, but... It's 20 years from now. Maybe we'll be leaving Metapers. Cooking, teaching, um, working less, and kids. Um, Yeah. Good life. Last 10 years. For me, I put slow travel. I don't think I'll want to do intense touristic travel for short term. I want to like go places and live for three months, um, learn languages, travel with kids, uh, spend time at the, the family lake house, maybe go on cruises. I'll be older and don't want to walk as much, but like 57 to 67, I should still be running, right? I'm going to be biking at least. Um, I put professor, like maybe that's when I get involved in the university. Or like hopefully David uh, Perel has his university by then and I'll just volunteer. Hey, did you realize that in the last 10 years, at the end of the next, that 10 years, Michelle will be 29 years old. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so did you did, did that change some? I think it's so hard to imagine. I don't have expectations of like, I hope she has to do these things. Um, the most important thing is that we love and support her and she's being the person she's capable of being. I think, so I wrote down vacation with extended family. <laughs> That's the only thing in my pocket. Because I feel like... Big extended family, brother. That's true. I think like... Now I just it's just really hard for me to imagine yeah. that it's like thirty years afterwards, right? And I think like some details we will only figure out when we explore our life path for the next next years. And technology is gonna change so much. Maybe Michelle will be in Mars. Who knows? But one thing I know is I want to be flexible enough so I can visit Michelle wherever she is and our other kids too. So, so I think. The thing that jumped out in yours, the themes, you're starting to get way bolder about art, um, which is cool. I've been rooting for this for a while. I did not hear anything about writing in your list. Um, yeah, I mean. But yeah, and then tra- traveling with extended family and vacations, I think that's like very important. That's for, that's for me too. Um, and movement is important. I was surprised I put cooking in a lot of mine. But cooking is so attainable for you. I mean, literally, where we go, we can just sign up for an Airbnb experience. No, I want to do like in depth. Like, mm-hmm. I want to study for like a month. Like, I, 
my reflection of studying Chinese while starting to write my book in 2021 for three months, that was like thriving for me. Four hours of studying or like four to six hours of studying in class every day, biking around, writing. Um, Yeah, it was intense, hard and like really meaningful. Shout out to Miles who inspired Paul on cooking. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's really now that you mentioned Taiwan. So we're actually going back to Taiwan for three months next month. Yeah. It's a very exciting but scary thing for me. I mean, being close to my family is and my hometown is always scary because it not only reminds you of where you grew up, it also reminds you of all the limitations that, make, that makes you who you are as a person. Yeah, I think... The U.S. is unique in that there are so many different cultures here, so many different communities, like ways of working. Like you, you can find your tribe in, in like culture and energy, like hundred different places in the U.S. But like Taiwan is like definitely a monoculture, and the monoculture does not uh, vibe with you completely and there are just so many expectations that when you're away it's fine but when you're in taiwan you sort of have to follow the taiwanese norm like this yesterday morning i was talking to my parents that we want to go to matsu an island in taiwan i've never been before and they're kind of disappointed like oh you're already in taiwan why are you leaving the family why are you going to a place that we don't want to travel with you and it's sort of like every travel decision we made when we go back to taiwan has to be matching their calendar availability too and I would say man it just reminds me of how resistant I am when going back to Taiwan but I wanted to mention this I am so surprised when you said that no matter how how I plan our trip to Taiwan you want to stay in Taipei for a month because that's your home I think yeah I mean it's like a home for me in a sense I was like reborn I think five years ago five years ago I was wrapping up my first year of self-employment and about to go to Taiwan. I was about to meet you like three months from now, five years ago. And yeah, I just felt at peace there and connected to myself for the first time in my life. So I think it's it's always going to be a special place for me. Yeah, you are so chill at that time. I think you were in a transition of like... Just I was very like, lost, but yeah, I was very open to the world. Yeah, lost and chill. The I, way I was very open to what was coming. coming. The way you sh- you smile is that I'm so happy. I just <laughs> well, that was like I think that was like my broken work identity too. I was still really recovering from that. I really lost myself in my past career, and it took me a while to like wear a shirt like this with more color and like laugh a little more and like be a little more energetic. It took a lot of work to get here today. Mm-hmm. So TBD, we'll do another episode when we're in give Taiwan. Us, give us the plan. Give us a plan. plan. We're going to talk about... Angie is now in charge of whatever she's calling this. Um, the cadence, the agenda, uh, she's in charge. We're going to be in Taiwan and we'll talk about our reflection of arriving in Taiwan and our reverse culture, my reverse culture shock and how you feel about it being in Taiwan again. We'll do it. Maybe we'll do it in uh, a park in Taijong. Too much. Too much mosquitoes. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you have any ideas of us, uh, of what we want, of what you want us to talk about in future episodes, please let us know by messaging us. Messaging Paul on Twitter, most likely, because I like to avoid messages. 
No, I still love you guys, but I just can't check messages about or like subscribe to our newsletter. I'm also we starting... don't have an R newsletter. Our newsletter is Angie creates Angie creates Substack boundless Substack. I started writing about a mini memoir series about what is it like being an international here in the states. So if you're interested in telling us what you think, please let us know. All right. Sounds good. See you later. Thank you for listening to The Pathless Path. I love having these conversations. And if you want to support me, you can rate, review, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow me on YouTube, where I post all the video interviews of this podcast as well. Finally, you can always support me by buying my book, The Pathless Path. It's a book I'm really proud of and has most of my best thinking and probably my best writing in it. And you can get it for less than 20 bucks. So grab that. It's in the show notes. And thank you for listening.